Hi there, and welcome to the Skylight Books author reading series. If you'd like to learn more about us and our many upcoming author events, please visit skylightbooks.com, where you can browse our inventory, buy books, and join our Friends with Benefits Club. You can also follow us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. To speak to a real live bookseller like me, please call 323-660-1175. Thanks for your support, and enjoy. This is Nikki to my left. Hi. Don't know that. <laughs> Hello. And I'm sure she's so tired of this. Isn't she darling? Uh. <laughs> I know. It was good. I know. I know. I know. I just couldn't resist. I've been, I've been practicing that for weeks. Ever since I saw this lineup, I'm like, darling, darling. Okay. She is a writer, artist, and performer based in Los Angeles. Her music criticism and essays appear regularly in the LA Times, LA Weekly, and the LA Review of Books. Currently, she is a PhD candidate in USC's Creative Writing and Literature Program. Okay. Almost a doctor. Almost a doctor. <gasps> these nerds just walked in. <gasps> who are these nerds who just walked Literally in? Literally waiting until you two bitches came in here. Yes. <laughs> I said I'd vamp as long as I can. So you must come up center, front center now. Front center. I was like, get the check. <laughs> okay, so um, your friends. Take yeah, yeah. Okay, I can start now. Okay, so Hi, okay. everyone. So. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> was it good? <laughs> so you know the kind of evening this kidding. will be. Okay, so I'm funny. And then we're um, we're so very happy that uh, Miriam Gerba will be joining her oh. later in a little right while. There. Miriam. Mean, it's so good. Uh, Miriam is a Los Angeles literary fixture. Um, I knew her before her first book. So <laughs> Um, she lives in California and loves it. She teaches high school, writes, and makes art. And Bissy describes her <laughs> short story collection, painting their portraits in winter as edgy, thought-provoking, so and funny. Very much like her. She has written for Time, KCET, and Rumpus. Wildflowers, compliments, and cash make her happy. And she'll be um, <laughs> joining Nikki in just a little while. But let's take, let's take a moment to really appreciate Nikki and all of her work. Oh, Thank you so much. Um, I just want to say two things really quickly that um, it is so awesome to be at Skylight. Stephen probably knows what I'm going to say because where did I used to work 20 years ago? I worked at Squaresville and I used to come in here on my break and this, oh yeah, the people are here. <laughs> um, and and every, okay, and this guy, where did you work? Right here. I've known this guy 120 years. Um, and anyway, this place has a really special, uh, Skylight has a special place in my heart because I used to, like I said, come in here on my, on my breaks and um, hang out with the cat who, R.I.P. And um, I've purchased so many books here. It's... So many books have probably influenced so much of my writing, so it's such an honor to be here. And thank you to all of you for coming out tonight on this very windy night. And um, thank you, Skylight, and thank you, Los Angeles. Okay, so I'm just going to dive in. So this is from the middle of the book. The character is 16, and she's at the L.A. County High School for the Art. Here, I'm just going to make it sexy, because this is choking me. Um, she's at the L.A. County High School for the Arts, and... Um, 
Miss Lavoie is her English teacher, and um, yeah, okay. Miss Lavoie calls my name on the way out of class. My heart sinks and I hang back near the door as other students file out. Oh shit, kid, says Dan as he slips into the hallway. I roll my eyes, sit back down, and wait until she shuts the door. We're alone. I swallow. It was nice of you to join us this week. Yeah, well. Listen, you can relax. You're not in trouble. I mean, not with me at the moment. <sighs> You're excusing my absences? No, I just want to have a conversation. I look down at the floor and start to count the square-flecked 1960s tiles that cover the ground. Did you get help on your essay? The wolf one? Yes. No, I wrote it. She reaches for something on her desk, my paper, and walks to the desk next to mine, sits. Here, she hands it over. Look at it. You gave me a C, I say, pulling back the first page. Is that, like, what? I'm confused. Is that considered good now? I gave you a C because it's obvious you wrote this the night before class and because the grammar is atrocious, but I wanted to ask you about the content of the paper. Are these your own ideas or did you read them in a book? No, I mean, yeah, I mean, no, yeah, what? They're my own ideas. You think Virginia Woolf embraced a masculine projection? Yes. The word projection, it's not in the forward or anywhere in the edition I assigned. That was your own word choice? Yeah, I mean, I have a brain. I know that. Is that a word you use in theater? Yeah, sometimes. We're reading Dos Passos. How is it that they can get you to read Dos Passos, but I ask you to read Virginia Woolf and it's pulling teeth? I didn't actually, like, read the Passos, if it makes you feel better. <laughs> you just said that you did. No, I skimmed it. And you gleaned the word projection from skimming. What is a projection to you? Uh, it's uh, what I said there in the paper. Tell me. Use your own words. Pretend I haven't read the paper. This is weird, I say, getting nervous. Nicole, did you write this paper? Yes, of course I did. What is a projection to you? God, I don't know. It's like when you pretend to be one thing in order to either get something you want or to not get bothered trying to do something else. Hmm? You know, like Vito Andolini in Godfather 2. He was always coming back for revenge but had to play dumb to get to America. If you want to be left alone, you might project being stupid when you're not so people let you coast, I guess. I look down, green, blue, gold flecks. You're not a bad actress. Miss Lavoie, for real, this feels kind of exploity. <laughs> is that the answer you think will get me, or is that the answer you think will convince me to leave you alone? No, that's the answer I believe. What's your home life like? This is sudden and catches me off guard. You're very quiet. Justin here. You don't like English? No, I love English. Really? Yeah, why would I lie about that? I don't know. I don't know very much about you. You read the books I assign, don't you? Of course. I know you do. Why read the books and not do the papers? I did this paper. Yes, well, if you need to talk to someone sometime, you can always talk to me. How old are you, Miss Lavoie? 36. Are you happy? Sometimes. Do you think Virginia Woolf was happy? It would seem not. Have you heard of Sylvia Plath? Sure, she's a poet. That's right. She also committed suicide. Oh, man, I say, even though I already know this. But it seems like Miss Lavoie gets off on dumping knowledge. And who knows, maybe she took this job to feel like she could make a diff. She pioneered something called confessional poetry. I wrote my dissertation on it. Her and another poet, Anne Sexton. She also wrote one novel, The Bell Jar. Sexton? Plath. Sure, yeah, I know that one. The gothy girls dig it. Well, I think you might dig it too, if you gave it a chance. 
I could lend it to you. No, that's okay. I can get it at the library. Will you? Sure, I say with a shrug. I mean, if it's good, it is. Then yeah, why not? When you're done, we can talk about it. Yes? Sure, whatever you want. It's not what I want that I'm getting at. What are you getting at? You're very smart. Thank you. Can I go? Okay, she says, standing and walking to her desk. She pulls out a pack of gum from her purse and raises her right eyebrow at me. You can go. Oh, okay, I say, standing. I'll catch you later. She smiles and raises her eyebrows once more, standing in her black jeans, penny loafers, silk button-up, and navy blue men's blazer. I'm hit with a sudden realization. Oh, shit. Miss Lavoie is cool. Oh, my God, I saw... Oh, you're so funny. I saw you at Weirdo Night. You made me laugh. Oh, what's up, everybody? Okay. Oh, my God. The thing with the dad in the closet, love, the bathroom, loved it. So funny. Cracking up. Okay. Um, I'm going to keep going. All right. Keep going. <laughs> ah, Gina, you've probably been listening to my voice all day. I know. Um, all right. So shout out to Call Your Girlfriend, which Gina produces. And I'm going to be on on Friday. No, it's about me. Don't worry. Um, I'm going to be on it on Friday. So, <laughs> um, okay. I'm going to read one more little. How am I on time? Because I lose. I like, I'm good? Okay. Yeah, I like going to, I like zone out. I'm like in a fugue. Okay. Um, I'm walking down the middle of campus toward the library when I feel someone tug on my backpack strap. I stop and turn around, annoyed. Oh, hi, I say, pulling my arms close and leaning on one foot. I grab a piece of my hair and stick it in my mouth. Hey, says Mike, coughing. He looks at the ground, then pushes his hair back and smiles, warm like the sun on your back in a field of shadows. I'm really sorry about Monday. I forgot George was picking me up. It's cool. I got a ride home with Mean Streets. Oh, yeah, he asks. Oh, I should preface this by saying Mike is like one of her best friends. He's gay and she's obsessed with him and trying to get him to fall in love with her, even though she knows he's gay. It's a problem she has and she's still working it out. Okay. <laughs> Currently. <laughs> but it's not Mike anymore. It's this other guy. Um, <laughs> okay. Oh, that's a joke. I don't do that anymore. Okay. So, um, oh, hi, I say, pulling my arms close. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I forgot. George is picking me up. It's cool. I got a ride home with Mean Streets. Oh, yeah, he asks, starting to walk. I walk with him. You like that guy? Ew, no. He's my friend. He's sort of gross. Mike laughs and nods. Yeah, I guess. Um, this guy, Dan, is like a little devastatingly gorgeous. Like, bleh. Okay. Um, uh, but, but she doesn't like him because he's available and likes her. And she's like, ew, I don't want anyone who wants me. Um, I want this gay guy. Okay. <laughs> Mike laughs and nods. Yeah, I guess. We're silent a while, then he stops, and I turn and look at him. You want to get out of here? I can't. I'm on probation. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Hey, he has sex with lots of girls. Maybe he'd have sex with you. Dan, ew. I don't want to have sex with him. Why not? Why does everyone think I want to have sex? No, I meant he's, he's what? Never mind. I just meant, I don't know. Forget it. You want to get faded? I've got bud. That's what we called it in the 90s. Sure, of course. Okay, cool. You know, you're prettier than you think you are. You're, you're like, really pretty. Ugh, thank you. He'd definitely fuck you if you tried. My heart is perforated and sopping. No, I mean, if I wanted to, I'm sure I could make it happen, but, like, I don't want to. Oh, hey, I'm done with your painting. Really? I ask, brightening. Sure, he says, also blushing with a smile. We chuckle a little. <laughs> 
and keep walking toward the science building on the other side of campus, the roof of which is always prime, uh, empty in prime territory, the Republic of Smoky. We're on the roof, proper baked, laying on our backs. I can hear the bell ring and sit up. I stand and walk to the edge of the cement wall that lines the perimeter and look out over campus. The doors to King Hall shove open and kids flood the steps and head toward F-Lot. I walk back to where Mike is and lie down again. Point one hour till arts, I say. Yeah, I got ears, he snarls, surprising me. It's so unriddle-like, so clear and sense-making. Oh yeah, I mean, of course, I say casually. I mean, totally, he says, kindly correcting himself. But for the first time in our brief friendship, I wonder if he fakes his interactions with me, if actually he's much sharper than he lets on. Oh, hey, look, he sits up, he sit, he sits up and pulls a folded, crinkle, crinkled piece of paper from his pocket, opens the page carefully. It's a black and white picture of Elvis covered in kisses and wearing a lei. It's been ripped from a book. You do that, you do that too, I ask? Do what, he asks defensively. Oh, do what? <laughs> he asks defensive, defensively as if, as if I've accused him of something. Tear pictures from library books? Oh, no, he says after a long pause. I found it in the hall. Oh, cool. I mean, he looks cool with the lay. He is cool. Oh, I mean, yeah, duh. I mean, of course, he's Elvis. He's dead. No, I mean, of course. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I know he's dead. <laughs> Swimming through the mud of our conversation, I grab large stones and shove them in my pocket, walking deeper where I hope to drown. Shakespeare's sister will put on the body, which she has often laid down. I like to write, I say suddenly, surprising myself. What? He asks, confused. I don't know. It just came out. I say laughing. <laughs> I mean, I like to read. Library books? Is that why you tear pictures out of them? Oh, no, I do that because I like to make collages with the pictures. I like to frame them sometimes. The collages, I mean. He nods, taking, this useless fact, uh, taking in this useless fact as if it's useful. What do you like to read? He sounds kind, distracted. It's like we've never met before, and we're meeting here now at the Republic of Smoky for the first time. I'm not sure. Okay, well, what was the last thing you read? Spin, I answer, honestly. That's a magazine, which is what we read before the internet. Oh, he said, that was so condescending. I'm sorry, you all know what magazines are. They sell them next door. Um, it's an old music magazine. Um, oh, he says, sounding disappointed. I like to read too, I guess. But I maintain that she would come if we worked for her, and that so to work, even in poverty and obscurity, is worthwhile. Thank you. Oh, here's Miriam, who's amazing. <laughs> you should read her book, Mean. It's also probably on sale somewhere in the bookstore. <laughs> Hi, Nikki. I love you. I'm really excited to talk to you about your dress. <laughs> I got it at a clothing exchange at Ann Friedman's house, and it used to belong to my friend Hilda. Ooh. I just, I, you, it was covered by your denim cat coat. <sighs> my power coat? Um, yeah, like for those who haven't seen, she's wearing this, like, Midwestern, Denim, I got it as Savers. I got it as Savers in New Mexico. It's great. And then you <laughs> took it off and you had this amazing modern dress underneath it. And Thank it's you. really I'm I'm really envious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank so you. I wanted to ask about your dress before I Clothing ask anything exchange. else. Yes. 
Um, okay, so one of the things that I wanted to ask you about was atmosphere in mm-hmm. your work. Sorry, I got lost in my friend Kate's socks. They're beautiful. No, I'm sorry. I'm so, I'm just going to, you're not. No, you're not. They're, they're, no, they're a good color. They're like, um... <laughs> Like kind of like if pea soup had jaundice. Yes. That would be No, but I really like them. The I was like, where did Kate get yeah. those socks? <laughs> really? Oh, they're really cool. Okay, nice. And they're offset really nicely nice by the by white, the white clog. clog. You're welcome. <laughs> okay, so that's okay. perfect. I'm okay. glad that we got into her socks because... Um, I didn't even hear what you asked me. I'm so sorry. No, 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 no. It's like what I wanted to talk to you about was like atmosphere and your work mm. and how regardless of what medium you're working in, there's an immediate intimacy. Mm. And to me, that's sort of like the signature in everything you do. Like that's yeah. your fingerprint more than anything else is that there's a sense that I'm in an intimate place with you oh, wow. and it's a feminine place, like not quite a vulva, but like, <laughs> but, it, but, but like there's a sense of being in a bedroom room with you Mm. um like a teenage girl's bedroom or like a woman's bedroom and so I wanted to ask could you tell us about your bedroom um (laughs) or at least tell us about like intimate aesthetics and bedroom aesthetics because they they permeate everything you do oh my god even your audience interactions like you begin interacting intimately with everybody immediately Uh, I am so glad that it's you sitting there Um, because this is a question I actually would be. I'm so excited to answer. Um, My bedroom is pink. Um, uh, My friend Amanda Yates Garcia, who is a witch, came over and said that she saw a pink, like in a vision for me, she saw a pink. I'm literally, literally answering your question literally. Yeah. Not metaphorically in regards to writing. Um, my friend came over and was like, I see that your room is pink. And um, I wouldn't have painted it pink like if I didn't think it would have worked. Like if she was like, I see you jumping off a cliff, I would have been like, slow down. But um, <laughs> but I was like, hey, I can get into pink. And I had always wanted a pink room as a kid. But the closest my mom let me get to was this like um, – wallpaper that had like a board you know remember the borders that go around the room she let me get a border that had like green ivy that had like these pink flowers on it and she was like pink okay and she was like I will not live in a house with a pink room and I was like what's my room bitch but um she bought the paint and respect to moms respect to mothers even mine who whatever um I would not have this book without my chaotic mother but um in the sense that she gave me something to write about um I like, I have my, the dolls that I had, I had two stuffed animals on my bed from when I was a kid on my bed, and only recently, like recently, in the last month, was I in my house, my house is kind of like a big bedroom, right, wouldn't you guys say it's bigger, yeah, they're in there quite a bit, it's like a, it's a studio, I live in a house, but it's a studio, but it's, it's kind of like my bed is in the middle of it, and, um, only recently was I in there and I was like, I should probably not, like, I'm going to be like 39 in like four months. And I was like, I should probably not have stuffed animals on my bed anymore. Like, that might be sort of weird. And like one time I had a sexy friend come over and they were like nude on my bed and they like had my animals on their body. And I was like, you're so gross. But now I'm like, I get it. That might have been strange for them. And they were just trying to alleviate the tension. <laughs> <laughs> but... um. No, it was cute. That was sweet. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, because, like, that, that was something that I noticed 
before I read your fiction because um, you put out a uh, chat book. Yeah, that Ra- Raquel put it out. On Raquel Con- put it out, exactly. Our mutual friend, Raquel Gutierrez, who's an incredible poet. You should read her poetry. She's wonderful. Yeah, and like by the by the second poem, like that was a sense that I got was that I was sitting in like a really intimate place with you, and you were like showing me your sticker collection or something. Like oh that my god, was, I had one of those. Yeah, like that's that's the vibe that that you create. So you have like these intense, intimate aesthetics, and then like one of the other things that I've noticed about your work too, especially, uh, well, in this book, um, is that. You do, like, you write teen really well. Oh, thanks. And a lot of people don't do teen well. And, like, I notice it because I teach high school, so I'm around them all fucking yeah. day long. <laughs> and so when, so, so when a writer does teen poorly, it reads very cardboard to me. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, it's a cardboard teen. But, like, your teens are real. Oh, thank you. Um, and I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, and I was wondering what it might be that enables you to write teen so well, especially teen dialogue. Okay, well, I just talked about my witch, and I'm going to talk about my therapist. <laughs> um, my therapist last week actually was like, so I was like, why can't I get a boyfriend? And she was like, well, <laughs> she was like, let's rewind. And so I was like, um, okay, let's start at the beginning. And she was like, well, you have a very youthful energy. And when you talk to people, it always seems like you're joking with them or making fun of them. And I was like, what? And then she was like, you let's like work on bridging this thing where you're just like hi I'm in a room and I'm an adult with everyone else and I was like oh and um so I think that like part of my ability to kind of like write teen stuff is that I'm like I don't know maybe like stunted a little bit but but that's also not true because I do have two other books I mean I'm also a Gemini so I'm like Mm -hmm. extremely youthful and I'm excited about life, and uh, I do a lot of stuff, and um, uh, I don't know. It, well, okay, also, in tune with that, I started writing this book when I got to USC, and I actually started teaching freshman composition there, mm. and um, it had been a long time since I had been around teenagers, and I'm, I'm also just joking because I'm nervous in front of a bunch of people. I'm not really like a whatever, but... Um, teenage stunted person I'm like very mature and I teach English at USC but um uh no but then like you were just saying I ended up being around a lot of teenagers and so freshmen is just like it's like it's like 13th grade you know what I mean they're just like basically they just came from high school and I started paying attention to a lot of actually like their speech and their vernacular and the ones that were from California and there's quite a few of them because um it is USC yeah I started to remember kind of the the diction and the rhythm of how I used to speak. And because I am from L.A., I think that's – if you're from Los Angeles, that never kind of really goes away. And I think also just being from L.A., is, it's a youthful place, right? So people here are kind of youthful in general. Like, we're all drinking green juice and, like, going to the gym and, like, oh, my God, I'm going to, like, self-care. You know, like, my grandma in New Mexico doesn't, like, self-care. She's <laughs> like, I got to fucking wash all this shit outside and then don't talk to me. <laughs> Like, I'm watching my novellas, you know? And um, I'm like, I feel like riding my bike. Um, So I think all of that kind of came together to create maybe this kind of youthful energy that you you recognized in the book. Okay. And then um, I feel like we may have talked about this before, but we just had, like, this was, like, in in a conversation that you and I had. Did we talk about Mazzy Starr? 
maybe. I mean, I t- I've been talking about her a lot in the last because, year and a half because of, because people ask me about. And the I feel title. like I have to ask you about it. Yeah, of like course. I want you. Like, did you ever see them play? No, I never did see her play, which is so strange because she was one of my favorite favorite musicians in the 90s and I loved them but I never got around to seeing them and weirdly I've seen so many this is not brag I've seen so many bands because I I, yeah because I was a music critic for 10 years and um at the at the weekly and the times and um well I freelanced for the times but I was on staff at the weekly and um so I have seen quite a few bands and it's really strange that I now that I think about that I haven't seen them or her Okay. I love Hope Sandoval. She's she's great. Oh my God, she's amazing. And like when I first heard about your book and I saw the title, I expected that like Mazzy Star was going to like be threaded through or right. somehow plot was going to hinge on Mazzy Star or maybe there was going to be some sort of Mazzy fanaticism. Well, you know, I actually really like that you brought up this question because the title really has nothing to do with the song. Shut up. Yeah. So the two books that I used as <laughs> templates for this novel, so despite everything that just came out of my mouth I'm actually like a total control freak workaholic and I am never not working and I don't actually self-care at all mm-hmm. like today I was just doing a hundred things and interviewing like emailing people and editing and like whatever um and so I am like really fanatic about templates uh-huh. and then two of the books that I sort of was trying to emulate when I was writing this were Go Ask Alice and Less Than Zero and Go Ask Alice is the book that was written by Beatrice Sparks but in the beginning they thought it was like an anonymous found like like diary of this teenage girl and it turned out to be this like I don't know like counselor woman at like a YMCA or something who was like writing a like don't do drugs but the it was like pre-JT Leroy it was <laughs> way pre it was from the 70s but the language and the vernacular was so incredible to me and it's written in the same kind of uh snippet like I don't have there are no chapters in my book there's just like little like whatever is like little moments and um that's how the journal is because it's a diary and then um the title of that novel go ask alice is from a song by jefferson airplane which sort of defined its generation the late 60s early 70s and then the book i would say that most um fully tries to emulate that book would be less than zero and that's a song from elvis costello less than zero everything is less than so um I wanted a three name, three lettered lyric. That's it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I also wanted my book to be in conversation with those books mostly. So I thought it would be kind of a cool way for me to say like, these books are books that my book is aware of without having to be like, thank you, Brad Easton Ellis. Thank you, Beatrice Sparks, AKA Anonymous. That you was know? one of the other questions that I was going to ask you, but I wasn't quite going to ask you a question about books in conversation. I was going to ask you about books in flirtation. Oh. So I was going to ask you about which books your book would be likeliest to flirt with. Candy by Me on Me on. Really? I'm obsessed with her and I'm obsessed with that book. Can you explain the flirtation between the two? Well... So for the how many of you have read the book? It's okay if you haven't. It's totally I've chill and cool. Him. No, no, I mean oh. my book. Oh, oh wow. Wow. Oh my god. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Um well, there's a lot of drug use in my book and um the narrator it's kind of progressing into what will become like a full-blown kind of drug addicted thing. And there's a my there's a, some short stories I'm working on for a follow-up. I mean, I'm looking for representation. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I'm maybe going to sign with someone next week. But um, 
Uh, yay me! <laughs> but um, uh, Sam's like, no, you're not. <laughs> Sam's been privy to all these conversations. I'm like, I don't know. What can she give me? But um, this make-believe agent. So uh, Mion Mion is Candy, the um, full-blown drug addiction. And I thought that this would be like a neat way for... Also, it's a novel that takes place in a big city, right? It's in Shanghai. Um, and my book is in Los Angeles, megacities, and I was curious to know how young women in megacities who are drug addicted, how they get in, how they get in that door first, right? Like, and I imagined that my narrator might be someone that, that Candy's narrator m maybe was before we meet her in the novel. Because mm -hmm. I always think of characters in novels as having life before I meet them on the page. And I've always been curious to know, like, I guess this is like fan fiction, right? Like, like this is what fan fiction writers do. Mm -hmm. um, and I have written fan fiction. I have. Um, but it's not been published. Um, because it was in my journals, in my diaries. <laughs> I was like, Axel Rose and I are in a coffee shop eating a Sunday. He does not hit me. Um... <laughs> So, because he's a terrible man. Um, I, I mean, but he makes great music. So, I don't, why am I, sorry. Uh, I say these things and I have to backpedal. I'm like, I don't want to offend anybody. Um, yeah. Okay, and then la <laughs> <laughs> last question. Go, so, yes. um, what got axed from the manuscript that you mm. wish had not gotten axed? Hmm. There were two other characters, and I had to conflate them into one character. There was a character named uh, Lydia, I think. I forget her name now, because I've been right. Oh my god, when people come up to me and they're like, I read it in three hours. I'm like, oh, amazing. It took me five years to write. Um, <laughs> no, but I'm so glad that people are just like going through it. But um, this one character, Lydia, I kind of liked her. I thought she was sort of cool. But then some of the feedback I was getting, like, you'll see, was like, there are too many characters. And I was mm -hmm. like, okay, so. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Okay. Oh, my God, I so, love you. Thank you. Oh, I'm so happy that you and your dress are here. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> so. That's my first time doing this, if you could not tell. <laughs> Shall we open the um, conversation up to the audience? Any questions, comments, concerns? Noel. <gasps> no, he's not dead. He's ashamed of who he is. <laughs> because of this? Oh. <laughs> I thought something happened. I was like, tell me, Noel. Okay. <laughs> Oh, okay. This was the cherry on top. I love okay. his books. Hmm. Well, both of those books, the thing I like about both of those books is the vernacular. So two things I really wanted to concentrate on in this novel was that Los Angeles be a character. I really wanted LA to be a place that wasn't the typical place that we see LA being portrayed as. And that part of LA is, is also real, right? But LA has so many other like different areas and corners. Um, and I feel like Bredeston Ellis's Lesson Zero did 
that LA really well, but I wanted to show that that LA is not like neighborhood specific. So I would not say that the characters in my novel are entirely unlike the characters in, in his novel, except that they don't engage in, well, I don't want to blow the book free if no one's read it. And they're little like they engage in naughty behavior, evil behavior. <laughs> but, um, but more than that, the thing I like about both of those books is the vernacular. I really like to go back to your what you said. Like I didn't just come out of my mouth. I did write. I did work. I like edited and was like, "Does this sound real?" And I did a lot of reading out loud to be like, "Is this wonky?" Or like, "How do how do people in high school speak?" And specifically, people in high school here. And there's a lot of like things that both of those books do really well are the whole like, "Who even is she?" Right? Like, I feel like that's very specific to LA. Mm -hmm. Like, who even are you? You know? And that's something that I say. And I'm like, who are you even? You know? And like, so both of those, the reason I really like Go Ask Alice is it's kind of the first of those novels to really, I mean, that the, the author of the entries, the who we're supposed to think is the actual author, is like the language has such an extraordinary rhythm and that book gets shit on so much and I really don't understand why. It's so fantastically written, just like actually from like a literary perspective. Like it's so rich and the language is so strong. And I think what people don't like about that book is one, and this is changing, I feel like slowly, is it's about a teenage girl, right? So like, unless it's like, if it's not real and it's fiction, then like how dare someone like, like, you know, hoodwink us into like reading this novel about a teenage girl and we could have been doing something else. But like, um, but like when it's like n navel gazing and like, oh, she's on drugs, then it's just like we can kind of get lost in like the mud of like some like lost teenage girl. But as soon as it's like a piece of work, it's like mm, not interested. So I think that's one of the reasons it gets shit on. And the other reason I think it gets shit on is because like, I don't think people are really good at like, this is not an insult to readers, but like, really identifying when something like stirs strong emotions in you it's because it's like usually it's well written right and people like really dislike this book they like hate this character they're like oh she's petulant spoiled and blah blah blah, blah. I'm like yeah it's fucking awesome and um like how dare I not be like this you know like how dare I not like I don't know, whatever she does in that book. And so I kind of wanted those books. So that's how I'm in conversation with those books. Like my narrator is not, I think, what one would describe as a likable narrator. Like I, at no point was I trying to make my character likable. Likable narrators are boring. Right. And your book, Mean, is all about that. Please <laughs> read Miriam's book. It's so important and really beautiful. Thank you. Are there more questions? Comment? Yes. Marie? Oh, sorry. So this is also an interesting question because it ties in, I think, a little bit with yours where it's like an intimacy. So as I was saying, I'm kind of a workaholic and I'm a control freak and I like I'm all over Instagram. I'm not on Twitter, like I said, but or Facebook, but uh, like I I enjoy giving off the impression that you know about me. I'm actually really fiercely private, and no, I would never write a memoir. And at no point was this book ever a memoir. I was not digging into any part of who I am because I am like, I have, I, I am an intimacy avoidant. You have an intimate persona. Right, and that is constructed. <laughs> Oh, 
I'm like, that's no, that's not for it. Thank you for asking. I'm working on my second novel right now. It's called An Act. And it is about a historical, fictive, 1970s, early 80s Harrison Ford. It is a retelling of Oedipus Rex using him as an entryway into telling the story written in the style of The Shining and Rosemary's Baby. And it's finished, and I just started a giant rewrite on it, and this is what I'm pitching to the multiple agents who are emailing me every day and just flooding my inbox. <laughs> if you are one of them, you can join the fray. <laughs> no, that's, I'm, re, I'm re, yeah, a, a retelling of Oedipus Rex using 1970s Harrison Ford's entryway into that novel and it's written in the style of like a Stephen King type thing. Excellent. Does that mean you're reading a lot of Stephen King? I am never not reading a lot of Stephen King. <laughs> I have um, a homemade tattoo. This is 237 <gasps> on my finger. Have you seen yeah. the movie? Of course. Of the documentary? Yeah, it's yes. So yes. It's really faded, though. See? It's oh. a faded 237. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. Very, very I know. That's really cool. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if there are no more questions, then we will go ahead and conclude there. Noelle? Did we keep it on? Did we do good? We kept it under? Perfect. Everything was great. Excellent. Okay. Let's applaud. Thank you. I will put my shoes on now. You've been listening to the Skylight Books author reading series. Don't forget, you can listen to this and all of our other great podcasts at skylightbooks.com. Thanks again for stopping by, and we hope to see you soon.